Hey, I want to welcome you here today. For those of you who are on the Sunshine Coast, those of you who are in Melbourne, part of C3 Powerhouse, to everyone who's watching online or watching on YouTube, uh, it's great to have you with us today. And I'm delighted today to have with us the one and only Dave Adamson, a.k.a. Dave. Welcome, Dave. Great to have you here. Thanks, man. It's great. so great to be here. Fantastic. Well, today we're going to hear his story. So, Dave, okay, he's a husband. He's a father. He's been a sports journalist. He's an author, a photographer, a Hebrew expert. Uh, he's an influencer. I looked today, 74,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, he's got 0.2. Right. Sorry, don't want yeah. to drop those 0.2 off. Uh, and he's also uh, a football fan, man after my own heart. Correct. And he is a pastor. Mm. Okay, so welcome, Dave. It's so great to have you here. I'm so glad that I get to be here and get to you with everybody at Powerhouse. It's awesome. Fantastic, mate. Now, I know Chloe. Closer to your heart, you're you're a dad, so yeah. you're married to Meg, got three girls. Tell us yeah. a bit about your family. Yeah, so I've got three daughters, uh, Chelsea, Ella, and Jordan, and they are 17, 19, and 21. Okay. And they, we moved them to the U.S. when they were, were like four, five, and seven. So they've grown up in the U.S. Um, they certainly have American accents, and most people, when they connect with them, they think they're American, but yes. they're all born in Australia. And they're just fantastic. That's the greatest, you know, the greatest job that I have is being their dad. Yes. Um, my wife and I, we uh, met in, in a church in Geelong, and we've been married 26 years and still going strong. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. That That's so awesome. Tell us a little bit. So, you know, uh, you got into sports journalism, yeah. which for every sports lover is a little bit of a dream, to get yeah. paid, to go and watch sport, to commentate on it, meet yeah. all the players. So yeah. how did you get into sports journalism? It was actually my older sister, Jenny, who said, you know what, you're a really good writer, you should become a journalist. And from that moment on, I just thought that's what, that's what I want to pursue. So I became, you know, I went to college, went to Deakin University in Geelong for yep. all the Melbourne people watching and, yep. and um, got a journalism degree and a literature degree and started working for a local newspaper in the western suburbs. That's when I started working for the, with the Bulldogs. Yeah. I was actually wow. the youngest ever editor of the AFL record. Wow. And so one of the first things that I did was I pulled together in my for my editorial, I pulled together all of the living ed, uh, editors, yep. AFL record editors. We had this photo shoot. It was a great time. But Channel 10 heard of that. Yes. And so Channel 10 had this show called Totally Footy. Uh, it was like a kid's show. Remember mm -hmm. Totally mm -hmm. Wild? Do you remember Totally yeah, yeah, Wild? Yeah, totally, totally. Gosh, it's, my, it's our era. But young, yeah. young adults, <laughs> stay with us. We're talking history, but we're coming back <laughs> yeah. to you. Um, so they said, hey, we want to do a, a, a report on you. So they came out and did a segment. Yeah. And after that segment, the producer said, have you ever thought about being on TV? I said, not really, but I'm a journalist. And so I guess that's the next step in your career. And so from there, I, I literally left the AFL, went to Channel 10 yes. and became a producer and a reporter for a show called Sports Tonight. And I did that for like seven and a half years. Sports Tonight is like the Aussie ESPN, ultimately. That's how I describe it to my American friends. Right. I always say it's the ESPN Sports Centre of Australia. Yes. Or at least it was at it the was time. It was in that day. Okay. Yeah, that day now, I feel like we've got a little bit of footage of you. We do. So I let, brought some along. Let's watch a little <laughs> bit of... Pre-Aussie Dave, <laughs> football Dave, yeah. being a reporter. Check this out. Bulldog champion Luke Darcy deciding this season will be his last. If found guilty of betting on an AFL match, a player faces fines of up to $100,000 and an indefinite ban on playing or even attending games. It'll be mainstream, but with 14,000 fans and 125 grand up for grabs. Definitely going above and beyond. Appleby's dedication to junior golf is so strong he was happy to fly 30 minutes mid-tournament 
to support the program's feature event. Well, Bill, I can tell you that yesterday afternoon, Paul Murdoch still harboured hopes of becoming the first Aussie to win a light heavyweight title. The Luke Darcy Farewell Tour kicks off tomorrow night against St Kilda. And of course, we'll have all the details on Sports Tonight. Okay, so you did that for years. Yeah. You went on to become a social media pastor. Yeah, yeah. What the heck for people watching right now? What's a social media pastor? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because a lot of people don't know what that actually means. Mm-hmm. But for for the modern world, you know, the reality is that most people connect with your church before they connect within your church. Gotcha. And that connection happens, or at least it starts, on social media. Yeah. So people, you know, in your local community, whether it's in Melbourne or whether it's here on the Sunshine Coast, they'll be, you know, if they're going through something and they feel like they want to start going to a church, mm-hmm. they're going to predominantly look on social media before they look anywhere else. Right. And so, you know, really social media has become the, the front door of every single church. And so I became a social media pastor because the churches that I worked for recognised that yes. and they wanted to have a pastor at that front door who was able to connect people and yes. connect with people and direct them to where they needed to go. To now see you it. consult and help and yeah. you're actually just about to release a book? Yeah, correct. I'm releasing a book called Meta Church, and it's all about how to do digital ministry and yes. social media to connect with people who are unchurched with the idea of bringing them to church and then help church leaders leverage technology to disciple people. It's really taking using a 21st century tool yes. like the internet yes. to fulfill Jesus' first century um, model of discipleship. I love it. Yeah. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Hey, uh, today we're talking about transformed. Yeah. And so you, you are a deeply transformed life. And what a lot of people may or may not realise is uh, with all of that career and everything going on, yeah. you, you had a pretty dark secret that was eating away at you on the inside. Tell us yeah. about your background. Yeah, look, John, if you had told me that... Um if you'd have told, uh, you know, 11-year-old version of, of Dave yes. that one day he would be on TV, that one day he would, uh, you know, be standing in front of thousands of people sharing a, a message or sharing a testimony, if you told 11-year-old version of me that one day I would have 74,000 people reading my Instagram posts, yes. my Instagram devotions in the morning, I would have laughed at you, I would have scoffed, right. because growing up I was just such a shy, introverted, withdrawn Kid, wow. and the reason for that was um, from the age of six, um, I started getting sexually abused at home, wow. um, and that lasted about six years from an uncle, wow. and uh, you know it was continuous. It was on a regular basis, almost uh, almost every other night, wow. and at that point, you know, growing up as a six-year-old, dealing with that night after night, it. it it withdraws you. You mm. you go within yourself. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel valuable. Mm. You don't feel valued. Mm. Um, and so that starts to impact the way that you interact with with people, and especially at that age, you know, interacts the way that you, um, the way that your personality is developing yes. as well. And so I was very shy, very withdrawn. As a result of that, in, in primary school and in high school, I got bullied mm-hmm. a lot and didn't know what to do with that, mm-hmm. which only further drew me into my shell. Yeah. And so. I, 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 looking back, I always think there was this extroverted kid inside, yes. but circumstances didn't allow that version of me to come out. Yes. And it really wasn't until um, I was in year 11 at school mm-hmm. and there was a kid who went to my high school who was one of only three Christians in the church and I got stuck with him in a, in a class doing a project. 
and he had Jesus written all over his bag and, and, and you know, Bible verses. And I remember talking to him and saying, why have you got Jesus written on your bag? Like, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, Jesus has changed my life. And mm. that statement was what got me starting to ask questions. Right. And so I, over the course of about six weeks, six or seven weeks, peppered this kid with questions about faith, Jesus, the Bible, yes. church, yes. Um, God, like everything around, anything to do with faith. Right. I was peppering this and kid with questions. it wasn't part of your background, family background? certainly wasn't part of mine, <laughs> and I didn't know who else to ask these yep. questions of, yep. right? So, wow. so he was the one kid, and so I, I asked him all these questions. What I realize now as an adult looking back, really, John, what I was asking him was, if there's a God, yes. why would he allow what happened to me happen? Yeah. That was really the question that I had at the core. Yeah. But I just didn't know how to ask that, yeah. you know, yeah. as a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. But let, this, let, let me ask, yeah. you, let, you know, go back a little bit. So from 6 till 12, yeah. almost every other night, that's unimaginable to me, mm-hmm. uh, horrific. And there'll be people watching today who have had abuse. You know, just the, the statistics tell us that yeah. there's going to be a, a high proportion of people, higher than we think, that have experienced some level of abuse. Yeah. Um, what what does that you've talked a bit about it in terms of withdrawing, but but you know in that sense the soul of a survivor is probably a better term than yeah. a victim, yeah. an abuse victim or survivor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what does that do? Not just short term, but long term. What what does it do to someone's soul? Yeah, it, it really, like I said, because because it makes you question your value, question right. your self worth. Yes. Um, Really, I know for me growing up, my, self, my, my self-worth wasn't based on what it's based on now, which is who I am as a dad, who yeah. I am as a husband, and, and certainly, definitely, the foundation of it is who I am in Christ, right? Yes. Yeah. But back then, because I didn't have that as a yeah. foundation, I, it, what it did to my soul was it withered me away. Yeah. It, it, as I physically retracted, as yes. I physically withdrew, my soul, my emotions, my mental state physically withdrew as well. And, yeah. and now looking back again, this was this was a long time ago, so yes. we didn't have the words for it then. But what I realize now is I was dealing with anxiety, I was dealing with depression, yeah. um, and that impacts my soul by withering it away. Mm-hmm. And it impacts you physically as well. You mm-hmm. know, one of the things that happened to me as a result of that was up until I was about 16 years, I, this is a this is part of the um, side effects that I don't mm. often talk about. Mm. But up until I was about sixteen or seventeen years old, I went to bed almost every night. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know why. Yeah. And I didn't know how it happened. Now looking back, especially from a pastoral yeah. point of view, yeah. I know that that happened because my body was. Um, my body was trying to shut me down into sleep mode mm-hmm. to protect me mm-hmm. and didn't wake me up when I needed to go to the bathroom. Mm. So, you know, carrying that around mm. and then, you know, you talk about things that I was hiding. I hid that. Mm. I didn't want any of my friends to know totally. that. I didn't even want my parents to know that. So I would hide it. Yes. And yeah. the only way to hide it is to not tell anybody that it's there and then you'd get back into bed and you'd sleep in it again. Yeah. yeah. And so... You know, in a lot of ways, what was happening to me physically was happening to me internally, yes. emotionally, spiritually, yeah. Yeah. Mentally, certainly in my yeah. soul as well. So, yeah. you know, there was damage there that, you know, needed to be restored, needed mm-hmm. to be renewed uh, and needed to be given new life. And yeah. I just didn't know it at the time. Yeah. Did you, you know, make attempts, you know, in that period of time to tell anybody or did you just keep it all to yourself? Kept it all to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't tell, didn't tell a, tell a soul because I didn't know what to say. Yeah. And my biggest fear was that 
I, I thought nobody would believe me. Mm. Um, and they, they would just assume that I was lazy and that's why I wet the bed. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to tell them why, yeah. what was really going on. Yeah. Because I just didn't think anybody would believe me yeah. um, and that anybody would understand what I was going through. So, yeah, man, I kept that, like I just kept that to myself and mm -hmm. I, I tried to operate as best as I could. I remember getting lost into stories and movies a lot mm -hmm. when I was growing up and part of that was just an, a chance to escape yes. what was happening in my reality by going into this unreal, this fake world. Right. Um, and yeah, it required a lot of... Um, love and a mm. lot of counseling and a lot mm. of determination mm. to yeah. break that cycle of abuse. Because yeah. typically, you know, you said there's a lot of people who are watching this mm. who have, who I'm sure this is triggering right now. Yeah, absolutely. Because statistically, the last time I read the statistics in Australia, it was one in three girls one and in one three. in four boys. Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of people out there who are watching this who, yes. are, who are triggered like this. And for me, talking about this sort of stuff, mm. You know, it, it brings it back, and you said mm -hmm. you used the word survivor, which I think is the right word, mm -hmm. because I don't think that I will ever be fully healed from this, mm -hmm. this side of heaven. Right. But I'm healing this side of heaven. Beautiful. And I like sharing my story about it, because when people see your scars, mm -hmm. when people see your wounds, they're reminded that there's a healer. Yeah. And so for me, uh, that's one of the reasons why I love doing this and talking about this because I know it's reminding people that there's a healer. I hope it's inspiring people who have suffered the similar sort of abuse or who are suffering it yes. or even something that's not similar but is having the same side effects yes. that they can recognise that there is hope, yeah. that there is encouragement, that there is inspiration and you can get to the other side mm. of that situation or that circumstance. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And thank you for, for being so vulnerable and yeah. sharing. I think a lot of people will relate and you, like you talked about, escaping into some reasonably healthy things in yeah. terms of creativity, movies, etc. A lot of people, to dull the pain, will try and escape into anything that yeah. will take them away, and whether that's a, things that become addictive, destructive, yeah. or, or cyclical patterns. So yeah, for sure. How did, how, how did you um, first tell someone? How did you really begin to bring this out into the light? Um, yeah, I remember the night that... Um the night that it all ended uh, vividly like it was yesterday. Mm. And, um, you know, I remember um, running out of the, breaking free, running out of the be bedroom where it was happening. And um, it, it was happening in, 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 a, in a granny flat out the back of our house w where my uncle lived. And um, I remember getting out of there as middle of the night and running through the backyard and pounding on the door because the back door was locked and my dad opened the door. And I remember in that moment, I just didn't have the courage to say anything. Mm -hmm. And so I just told him I need to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I went to the bathroom and I sat there and sobbed. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm 11 or 12 years mm -hmm. old at this mm -hmm. point. Um, and then didn't do anything, just flushed the toilet and went back out. And I remember my uncle was out there and um, he, you know, yelled at me and hit me and... Um, told me to get back into bed and uh, as it started to happen again, I, I don't know, something something unnatural. Mm -hmm. I say that word specifically. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something, I didn't have the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm an, I was like 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. I didn't have the courage to do this. I didn't have the courage to say anything. Certainly didn't have the courage to walk out and mm -hmm. stop it. But I feel like, again, looking back with hindsight, I'm like, yeah, something supernatural, something Holy Spirit, nice. something God took over. Mm. And I remember I just boldly got out of bed and walked out into the backyard, 
didn't run. It was a, it was a, a determined walk. Mm. I mm-hmm. knew I was going somewhere. Wow. I knew I was being set free. Mm. And I knocked on the door and my dad answered again. He said, what, what's, why, why are you coming in again? Mm. And I told him what was, I just blurted out what was happening. Wow. And that was the night it all ended. Wow. Um, that was the night the trauma ended. Yes. And that was the beginning of my journey to redemption. Yes. That was the, rejour- the, the start of my journey for God redeeming Yes. My story. Yes. And I use that word specifically, Pastor John, because <laughs> in my opinion, the definition of re- redemption, the definition of redeemed, and I believe God is redeeming my story yes. every single day. Yes. And that definition for me that I constantly remind myself is redeeming your, God redeems your story when he makes the enemy wish he'd never messed with you in the first Come place. On. Come on. When we keep things secret, mm-hmm. when we keep things in the dark, yep. that's when bad things start to fester. So to bring that out into the light in that moment and to continue to bring that yes. out into the yep. light, you know, throughout the rest of my life, including today, this, yeah. I know that for me, there's a healing process happening. And my prayer is, my hope is mm. in all of this is that the people who are watching this right now, that somebody will be redeemed yes. because of this. Yes. Somebody will receive hope because of this. Somebody will be inspired to get help and tell somebody what's going on because of this. And that's God continuing yes. to redeem my story and make the enemy wish he'd never messed with me in the first place. I love it. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Um, t- tell us in that component then of the redemption. So for you, sharing your, just breaking the cycle of trauma was a yep. key component. Yep. Um, you know, you talked about coming to faith. How important was your experience of coming to faith in yeah. Christ in your healing journey? Oh, I categorically, without a doubt in my mind, know for a fact that coming to faith after this had happened, it was a few years later that Mm -hmm. I came to faith, that for me not only brought it out into the light, but gave me the opportunity to talk to people who could actually help me Mm -hmm. and start to counsel me through Mm -hmm. uh, the trauma that I had and start to get that hope. And for me, it started with this, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, my absolute favorite verse, which I've got tattooed on my arm. Hello, but uh, not in English. Not in English. I got it tattooed in Greek, and I got it tattooed in Greek for a reason. Yes. I didn't want people to be able to read, therefore, um, you, know, you know... Jump to a conclusion. Yeah, jump to some sort of conclusion about anything, but I wanted them to be able to ask me, hey, what does that say on your arm? And then I would tell them, you know, it says, therefore, those who are in Christ are a new creation. Mm-hmm. The old, the old story, yes. the old trauma has gone away. Yeah. And a new person has come. Yes. The new has come. And so it gives me the opportunity to talk about this and to bring, continue to bring it into the light. Yes. But yes. that's the sort of thing that my faith does, right? Yes. It reminds me constantly that following Jesus has made my life so much better and it's made me so much better at life. And then I've had the opportunity to have Christian counsellors come around, mm-hmm. pastors come around and, yeah. and counsel me through. And, and, and I'm a big fan of counselling. My wife even just said to me just today, um, hey, how are you feeling? Do, do we need another round of counselling? I'm like, yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Because, yeah. you know, counselling has totally impacted my life, especially Christian counselling. Yes. You know, can, can I circle back before yes, we jump please, into counselling? In terms of 
the, you're talking about becoming a new creation. Yeah. And so there'll be people watching today and, and or watching in, in future years and you're, you're listening to this and going, okay, I've never been a Christian, I don't know what that means, but the reality of what Dave's talking about is receiving Jesus into your life is a most, it's the most transforming thing. It's, mm. the, it's where all transformation begins yeah. in our lives. And so what happens is it opens a door to a relationship with God, Jesus comes in, cleanses us and forgives us of our sin and literally makes us a new creation or the Bible talks of being born again spiritually. So it's not like we get a new body. Uh, We do get that in heaven. It's not like all suddenly our memories are raised and all the pain's gone away, Mm. but spiritually we become a brand new person. Mm. And when we understand that, it's not that's that's not the old Dave. This is yeah. the new Dave. Yeah. This is this is the new Dave in Christ. Yeah. So how did how did you in that component? Yeah. And for those of you watching, if you've never prayed a prayer inviting Christ into your life, today's your day where transformation can begin, the mm. most radical, and healing can begin. And we'll do that at the end of the service. But for you, Dave, how did you get that? Um, you know, the understanding, because you've still got memories, yeah. you've still got pain, you yeah. still. How did you get the understanding? kind of into you, yeah. but I'm a new creation. Yeah. What, what, what was that process? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you circled back and, and explained. You, you should be a pastor or something, because that was it, such you know, a great if explanation. The whole, if the whole thing doesn't work out, I'll give the pastoring thing a go. Um, no, um, no, that's a, a, a really good clarification and a, and a good follow-up question. You know, um, look, for me, um, the idea of being a new creation came from understanding that, yes, you're right, my trauma is still there and my memories are still there, mm-hmm. but there's a purpose to it. Yes. You know, there's a, there's a story in Scripture that I'm sure everybody watching, whether they've grown up in church, whether they're new to church mm-hmm. or whether they're coming back to church after a long period away from church, have heard the story of Joseph, right? Yes. The Joseph and the, and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, yes, gotcha, most gotcha. people probably remember yeah. it as. And there's a line in that story where Joseph has been beaten by his brothers, sold into slavery, yeah. left into a pit, thrown into prison for something he didn't do. Yes. Um, you know, he's had all of this trauma in yeah. his life and he turns to his brothers at the end of the story and he says, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Wow. And for me, that's the reminder constantly mm-hmm. of, of how I'm a new creation. Mm-hmm. What my uncle meant for evil, mm-hmm. God meant for good. Mm-hmm. And God can bring something good out of that. God can redeem that story. Mm-hmm. And I have to live in that side of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a, there's a thing that I think we all, we all face this, right? Whether it's the sort of trauma that I have on one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. or whether it's just, you know, we're living, we're living through a season in, in world history where there's a lot more anxiety and depression than sure. ever before. Sure. We're living in a, in a, in a season in, the, in world history where people are more connected than ever before, mm-hmm. but loneliness has shot through the roof. Right. You know, all the statistics from America, Australia and Europe tell us that as, as many as one in three people experience loneliness on a regular basis. We've mm-hmm. got thousands of followers, but we've got no friends. Mm-hmm. So... It doesn't matter what your trauma might be, what you're dealing with right now. The thing that being a new creation tells me is when I'm in the middle of a tough situation in life, and even when I think back to myself as as an 11-year-old, when we're facing these situations, the question we often ask, John, is when, God, when will I get out of this situation? When will I get out of this? But what I've learned as a new creation is mm-hmm. that's the wrong question to ask. The right. question to ask is what? Yes. What can I get out of this situation? Right. right. What are you doing in me right yes. now? And so now I look Love back it. and I go, okay, I know I was asking that question, not just 
asking it as plainly as I, I was begging God. Yes. I was begging whoever was out there yes. to get me out of this situation. Yeah. Now as an as a, as a adult looking back at mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. I recognize that God wants me to ask, what can I get out of that situation? Yeah. And so for me, a part of it is just sharing my story like yeah. this yeah. and helping others get the help that they need yes. and helping others get um, directed towards healing mm-hmm. to remind people that there is hope, to remind yes. people that while I've survived, mm-hmm. um, while I've survived childhood sexual abuse, mm-hmm. that doesn't define me. Yes. My, yes. my I'm defined by my faith in Christ. I'm defined by the fact that Jesus loved me enough to die for me. That's what defines me. I love that. I love that. If we're, and if we're to help people, and again, we'll give some, some steps for people after today in, in a few moments, but that there's one thing to become a new creation. That's a spiritual transformation. That It's amazing to me how instantly for so many people, they're just like, I'm just different. Yeah. I'm not trying to be different. Yeah. I'm different because I've become literally a new spiritual person and I have Christ in me. It's, it's, the, it's the best thing about being a pastor, watching that transformation. <laughs> but then there's this ongoing journey of transformation. It starts with that. It starts with understanding what's really happened spiritually. Yeah. But then there's, there's a process. And I, I want to talk about two, two components of transformation yeah. that I'm sure uh, you've touched on one, which is counselling, how yeah. important that is. And this is about the healing of our heart. Yeah. Also, forgiveness is obviously a big deal. Yeah. And they probably go hand in hand. So yeah. just, you know, in the last few minutes we've got, tell us a bit about uh, your story and how that's worked for you. Yeah. Um, so forgiveness has been the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of the reason it was hard, it has been hard, is because my uncle died before, like uh, not too long after it all came out. Mm-hmm. And, and um, certainly before I had enough if I can put it this way, before I had enough faith mm-hmm. to even think that sure. I could forgive him. Sure. So I didn't get an opportunity to, to, to do that. And I know that that would have been the most difficult thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But I did forgive, um, I have forgiven him in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, hard, even, yeah. even saying those words yeah. is hard for me to say. Yeah. And, and I want to call that out because I know that there's people who will watch this, mm-hmm. whether it's you know this week or if it's mm-hmm. next year on YouTube or whatever, um, who are like, I can never forgive that. But part of, part of getting over the trauma is coming to a place where you can forgive yeah. the perpetrator of mm-hmm. that trauma, yes. regardless of what that is. Yes. And so for me, it had to be a thing where... I have forgiven him in my heart mm-hmm. and I have to just live with that. Yes. The hardest thing for me was forgiving myself. Really? Yeah. Talk about Why that. did I let that go on for so long? Wow. Why did I not say something earlier? How many other people did he hurt because I didn't bring it out into the wow. light? And I didn't even know I was carrying that baggage until wow. counselling brought it up. Okay. And my counsellor at the time. You know, I've had lots of counselling, right, with different sure. counsellors. Yeah, you can get different counsellors and some want to hug you and love you and the yeah. other ones want to, like, kick you in the butt and yeah. just, you Give know. the tough love. Yeah, the tough love. The big hug. This was, this was one, of the, one of the huggy counsellors and, and, and he asked me that question. Um, have you forgiven yourself? And I, I didn't even think so. I needed to. And he asked me to write a letter to... Uh, um, a le- oof. Hmm. He asked me to write a letter to an 11-year-old version of me. Yes. As adult me. Yeah. And in writing that letter, Pastor John, what I realised in that moment was I had not forgiven myself, wow. but I had placed adult expectations on 11-year-old right. me. 
Why didn't you? Why didn't you? You could have. You should have. He was an opportunity. So powerful. But 11-year-old version of me just didn't know. No idea. And so I had to forgive 11-year-old version of me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and that was, that was one of the hardest things. And this might seem weird, but I felt like I needed to forgive God as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, as I said I right, right at the beginning, my, my, my biggest question was, God, if you exist, why have you let this happen to me? Yeah. How could you do this? Yeah. But the thing that I learned about God in those moments Man, is that God just can handle whatever you give him. Yeah, wow. God's love can handle it all. And I feel like the picture that I have is that I ran at God and beat on him. Yeah. And he just hugged me and mm. he took it. Mm. And he hugged me until ah. my, my, my pounding on his chest turned into me just weeping. And, yeah. and, and what I realize now as I look back is that Jesus wasn't distant in those moments when I was a kid, even though I didn't even know him. Mm -hmm. But he was actually right there and he was weeping with me. Mm. There's this movie called Antoine Fisher. It's about a guy named Antoine Fisher. And it's a movie that breaks me every single time. Mm -hmm. And it breaks me because this is a kid who grew up with a similar sort of trauma that I did. Yeah. Um, um, it's got Denzel Washington. It's actually a really good movie. Antoine Fisher went through the similar sorts of thing that I did and he's a poet. And he, he in the movie, recites this po poem that he wrote and it's called Who Will Cry for the Little Boy? Mm -hmm. And he's not, a, he's not a Christian at sure. all. But he talks about who will cry for the little boy who cried himself to sleep? Who will cry for the little boy who, who never got this and who always suffered this? And who will cry for the little boy who he's trying really hard but he's not getting ahead? And who will cry for the little boy who, who is getting bullied at school? And I remember that poem always rocked me. Mm. And now I realize it rocked me because there was one piece that wasn't added to the poem. Mm -hmm. Because it's Jesus who cried for me. Wow. Wow. When I listen to that poem, the picture I have is that room, that room where it all happened. Mm -hmm. And I remember it so clearly in my mind. There's a, there was a wicker chair in the corner. Mm. And in my mind when I, because my trauma takes me back there from yes. time to time. Yep. But I always look for that chair now right. because I see Jesus in that chair and he's weeping for me. Wow. Because he didn't want that to happen. Yes. But he knew he would turn it into something good. Amazing. And that's my hope. That's my prayer. Amazing. That it turns into something good and it continues to turn into something good. Incredible. Yeah. Tell me, because that's such a powerful picture and you talk about counselling, and I love you have an expression that I've now flogged and <laughs> pretend it's my own, but it's, it's not broken people who need counselling, yeah. it's breathing people who yeah. need counselling. We all do. Yeah. Um, is that the picture of where Jesus was? Is that something that came up through your counselling yeah. process? Yeah, it totally right. was. Yeah, a pastor, or a Christian counsellor who was, who was working with me at the time, um, he, he asked me to go back yes. to those moments because, you know, trauma rears its head in the most unexpected sure. times, in the most unusual sure. ways. And he said, hey, I want to work something through with you. Where do you think Jesus was in mm. those moments? And I was like, I don't think he was anywhere. Like, that's why it happened. Mm. And he walked me through some images of, of from, you know, from the, from the Bible yeah. about Jesus being uh, alongside us, Jesus being a shepherd. Mm -hmm. And Jesus specifically, Psalm 23 talks about, you know, um, Jesus as a shepherd he, who leads us during the day, but when things get dark and we go through a dark mm -hmm. valley, he doesn't lead from out in front anymore. He actually comes amongst the sheep yeah. and we, we uh, get together around him closely mm -hmm. so he can lead us through those dark times. And so for me, what he helped me to see was during the darkest time in my life, mm -hmm. 
Jesus wasn't out in front leading. Jesus wasn't wandering off. Mm -hmm. Jesus was right beside me. Amazing. And as an adult looking back now, that gives me so much comfort. Mm -hmm. It gives me so much comfort when I go through those moments when the trauma rears its head again. Um, which any survivor knows that that can happen and come out of nowhere. Yes. And again, it's not an indication that I'm not healed. It's an indication that I'm healing. You're healing. And I still have scars. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. Because that proves that there's a healer. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Dave, I'm so grateful uh, for your time with us today, for sharing your story yeah. in, in such a powerful way. I know it's touched so many hearts as people are watching. And I'm, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray for people. Yeah. You know, for those who this is triggering things for today, and there will undoubtedly be people, the first thing that we would encourage you to do is talk to a pastor. We would have some our team available after the service to talk to. Uh, our pastors can help you find Christian counsellors, which is a really important kind of step yeah. for, for a lot of people so that you don't just go away and be triggered and bottle it all up or try yeah. and escape. But yeah. we, we're here to help um, direct people in that and, and today we want to help people find uh, that new life in Christ so to let God come in. I, I find this, for so many people, it's not natural to forgive people. Mm. We need God to help us to forgive people. It's supernatural, especially in what you're talking about. Totally. And one of the great statements about Jesus, one of his job descriptions, he said it about himself, is God's Spirit's on me to heal the brokenhearted. Mm. When we get born again and become a new spiritual person. We don't get an instantly healed heart. Yeah. The journey of healing the broken heart begins for us. Yeah. And we're all on that journey at different levels. So yeah. can I get you to pray right now for people who are listening today, yeah. watching today, and and need that, that love of God to pour into their life, yeah. that healing. Can you do that for yeah, us? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much. Uh, Father God, I just want to pray right now. For everybody who's watching this, in the moment, everybody who's watching this on demand, everybody who's listening to this. God, for everybody who's under the sound of my voice right now, Father, I wanna pray that in this moment, by the power of your Holy Spirit, yes. you would do something supernatural yes. in their life. You would touch yes. them in a way that um, can only be explained miraculously. Yes. God, we pray all of these things in the amazing, the healing, the holy, the powerful, the redeeming name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Amen.